You are listening to List It, the show where me and a guest rank in listings in pop culture. And I am I'm very, very excited about today's show because the follow-up to one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Uh, it is with my good buddy. He is a writer, he's a journalist, he's a marketer, and he has a Twitter feed that you absolutely need to subscribe to if you if you enjoy the hilarity of shows like this one. It's at Adam Smith XA. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how you going? Good to uh, good to be back on with you. Yeah, man. I feel like you know it wasn't that long. I, it was probably uh, a month or two ago now, but I feel like it, it, it. You know, time flies, and especially when you're recording episodes like we did last time. Yeah, I remember exactly when it was. It was uh, it was like uh, early November before the election had been officially called. <laughs> well, I've made this joke with a lot of people. Anything pre-election feels like years ago in a lot of ways. I know. Yeah. I know. Gosh, like honestly, it like 2020 just kept on going into 2021. Like it just bled over. <laughs> it just ne- it never stopped. And for 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 people who who uh you know, maybe missed the last episode, you're actually recording Live from Australia right now. We're on about a 10-hour delay. I got to ask, like, I'm, I'm curious about this because obviously, like, the news cycle is, is here. It's been crazy because of everything just kind of happening in domestic politics. And unfortunately, it sort of drowned out everything happened internationally. And and a lot of times I have this very insular view of the news, especially these days, just because it's bonkers. But how much airtime does the craziness of the U.S. news cycle bleed into what's happening? there on television in Australia? Look, like a little bit. Uh, to be honest, I have CNN on all day, so I'm, I'm still inundated with the American news cycle. But uh, like in Australia, it's kind of, uh, we have a, a kind of a panel uh, show here called The Project. Yeah. It's like kind of a, a comedy news show. Okay. And uh, so that's pretty much how most of the American news cycle is treated is <laughs> as, a, uh, as fodder for comedy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, as it should, as it should, because, you know, because here it's hard not to watch like CNN or any of ours and, and not see about, I'd say about 45% as pure comedy, you know, yes. like yep. some tragic comedy, but a lot of comedy. Yes. But I'll, I'll give you just a, a brief example of how different things are in Australia right now than the U.S. And this isn't gloating. This is just, you know, um, just an example of uh you know how I, I guess the the political climate here versus the political climate there. Uh, this past weekend, I went with my daughter to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in a movie theater. Oh, and dude! <laughs> and, and, and didn't have to wear a mask. Okay. See, that is totally bonkers to me because you, I, you know, if I'm outside somewhere where there's a lot of people, you, everyone's wearing mask, you know, yeah. and movies, movies that I, I would say this movies right now here, there's like a discussion of like, 
okay, is it if we take the proper protocols, you know, kind of family to family, who's comfortable going to a movie? And like pretty much it's like if you wear the equivalent of like a hazmat suit and you go <laughs> at like 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, people are like, yeah. okay, I feel safe. But yeah. th- it's so crazy. It's a different world there because you guys almost have zero cases of COVID, right? Yeah, we had a, a bit of a spike uh, like last month and they shut everything down again basically okay uh mask mandate everywhere for a few weeks and now it's just you know kind of gone back down to to zero again man what a different world well hey listen i'm going to give people today adam me and you are going to provide them with escapism whether they are in a paradise like a like a covid free paradise like australia or what america has become and (laughs) because last time you were on we talked about unintentionally (laughs) hilarious movies and we and i re-listened to that episode i honestly i went back and listened a couple times and i (laughs) because (laughs) because the selections we were able to dig up uh i feel like are truly these lost gems. And today we're going back and forth uh, about what we want to talk about today. But, uh, you know, you had suggested, uh, because you're a father, remind remind listeners again, the the ages of your children. Uh, I've got one child, a daughter, and she is four and a half. Four and a half. And that is prime zone for some of the worst television oh or, or, or or programming that's ever been created. So you 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 suggested that we do <laughs> we do a deep dive on ranking the world's worst TV shows for kids and kind of breaking down what makes them so either just insidious or baffling. And so yes. I and I have I have a, a five and seven year old. So I'm well acquainted in the world in the bizarre world of children's TV. But I also threw I threw a couple curveballs and I cheated a little because uh, you know Adam you know me pretty well I am a big fan of of like sitcom culture okay yes. like so but but not just like current sitcoms because really you could make a case that streaming has sort of killed the sitcom uh, you know we, we have streaming has made like these kind of long form serialized dramas really big. We have like the breaking bad, like either, either serialized shows follow like the breaking bad model, right? Or it's some sort of like docu series, but sitcoms are kind of dying this slow, terrible death where Ashton Kutcher is like producing shows like the ranch on Netflix, which I only know because I've seen the thumbnail, like the glory days of sitcom (laughs) is just, you would just flip, through the channel and you would just jump in to some bizarre concept but all all the ones on my list technically children could watch because they're they're very kind of family oriented um adam what when did you realize that the world of kids tv was just an odd little corner of pop culture that really defies a lot of just basic explanation it, it was pretty early on, you know, basically as soon as I was exposed to children's TV, you realize that like, for, for some reason, the, uh, some of the things that children find very, very amusing and fun to us would be a Lovecraftian nightmare. <laughs> well, that's what I was watching some of these. I, so some of the things that came up on my list, I was, some of these are, I have one sitcom on here that's pre laugh track. Okay. Oh, and, wow. and it watching it, you realize there, why there was a laugh track because you don't even know when was the intended joke, right? Like <laughs> you feel like you're watching something David Lynch made like in a fever dream. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, like there's this surrealism to it. But a lot of kids shows have that same sort of flair to it, where if you're watching it as not even a cynical adult, just an adult with a fully developed mind, you're like, I don't know if I don't know if puppies should be running search and rescue operations like they seem pretty <laughs> ill equipped for this venture. <laughs> You've you've already telegraphed one of my choices. <laughs> well, well, all right. So I I, I don't want I don't want to give it too much away. Adam, let's go ahead and jump right into the list, man. I'm gonna. So we're, we're how about this? We'll each do four of our shows, and then I think you have a couple of honorary mentions that because this is this is a world that you've really really thought a lot about. I could fill a separate streaming service just with my honorable mentions. <laughs> Horrible. Do you feel like you're the, the amount, do you ever feel like that scene in Clockwork Orange when, when you wake up early on a Saturday morning and your daughter's like that, you know, she just wants a little, just a little TV time, you know, just kind of jumpstarting the day and you're sitting there with your cup of coffee. Do you ever feel like after more than 15 minutes, you are like, your eye eyelids have been peeled open wide and in your yes. head is duct taped to the to the to the head breast and you are forced in some sort of clockwork orange experiment to see the results of human consumerism and their targeted uh uh infiltration of the next generation yes and and like as much as you want to try not to pay attention you know and just zone out and do your own thing some of them like just like they they slap your credulity in the face to the point that you can't not pay attention. You know, they're just <laughs> yeah. so bizarre and ridiculous. And I found myself, I, one of the problems that I have is I have a hard time not providing running commentary and I, <laughs> I have to stop myself. I remember we were watching, uh, and it won't be on my list, but we were watching the new Shira cartoon. Right. Okay. And, uh, the, the good guys, took like the main villain hostage and they were, okay. <laughs> they were going to take her prisoner, but she kept trying to escape. And out loud under my breath, I said, just kill her. And my daughter's <laughs> like, what? I'm like, nothing. She, and she's like, did you say kill her? I'm like, uh, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't say kill her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Before we jump into specific examples, I want to talk about a couple of children's TV, TV tropes that really bother me. One is the relationship to the villains in these shows, because I was watching one the other day with my daughter and I can't remember what show it was, but it, it, it it was one of those Nickelodeon cartoons where they go on adventures. I can't remember which one because it seems like all of them are variations on the same thing. Like some little group of little friends live in some small town and they all have some designated thing they're super into, whether it's like, you know, working at the bakery or, you know, saving people or doing school projects. But there's always some, what kind of town has villains that is, they're always targeting children children or young animals like that seems really messed up like that someone should do something about that like yes like these people should be in prison like stop letting them go all the time that's yeah, the exactly. thing it's like the 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 child crime fighters in this they always just kind of give the villain a stern talking to and then they're off on their merry way it's like kill them kill them while you have the chance 
Well, they were, I was watching one the other day, and it was like because they always try to like you know shoehorn in these life these life lessons. And the lesson in this one was like when someone's not invited to a party, they they should be invited because their feelings going to hurt. Well, this one happened to be the villain wasn't invited to the big like Thanksgiving thing, and the villain was all sad. I'm like, well, yeah, because she tried to kidnap three of them two episodes, a literal kidnapper, and you want to invite them to the children's <laughs> birthday party? It's like, it's like that, you know, Bill Simmons has written about this in the past, but there's an episode, there's that famous story arc in the Brady Bunch, like right when the Brady Bunch was sort of like jumping the shark back in the day. And it was like a, you know, two or three episodes special where they went to Hawaii and several of the yes. children are literally kidnapped. Okay. There is, this is, this is an abduction. Okay. That happens by like Vincent Price. Okay. And I can't even remember what his <laughs> motives was, but he, he kidnapped several of the Brady children and he, he, he has them like chained up in a cave. Okay. <laughs> And, they, and they're like, you know, they have to go on like a Hardy Boys style adventure to save the, you know, the Brady Bunch. At the end, it ends with a luau and they invite Vincent Price. They yeah. invite All the kidnapper the to the luau. <laughs> this is <laughs> a felony. We, children have been abducted and you invited him to the luau. <laughs> i'm not i'm not but okay so uh, let's go ahead and jump into the choices because i feel like there are numerous examples of these adam i'll kick it off here and mine is a little cheating because i i didn't this isn't a straight up children's show I, frankly i don't even know who the show was made for it was made in 1965 but it was certainly like family oriented and the reason i love it is because it, re- it 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 goes into the pop culture tropes that i that still baffle me to this day so this show came out, it was 1965, and basically it was at a time when every show had to have some sort of gimmick, but often those gimmicks involved some sort of unneeded sci-fi twist, like right. a talking yeah, horse. Right, concept TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you had like, oh, well, it's a, it's a farm, but wait, the horse talks, and he gives it, <laughs> you know, sage advice to the farmhands, or, 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 you know, the daughter's a robot, or, you know, you know, it's a sitcom except with talking dinosaurs. It, they, like, right. there had to be that, that sort of trope. So this, this program, Adam, is called My Mother the car. the car. Have you ever heard of their show? Yes. <laughs> it stars Jerry Van Dyke, uh, the elder, the late elder brother of Dick Van Dyke, who ironically, I think is actually pretty funny. Like when I he was on Jerry coach, when, like on coach back in the day, he was one of the Brilliant. highlights of the show. Brilliant. Yeah. He's a great comedian. Everybody knows in the second life, we all come back sooner or later. As anything from a pussy cat to a man eating alligator. <laughs> Well, you all may think my story is more fiction than it's fact But believe it or not, my mother did Decided she'd come back as a car so the premise of the show, which, like I said, it, it's it's a it's a very family oriented show, and I did for the for research for this. I went and and watched a couple of episodes to try to get an understanding of who this is made for. And I, and here's how I know in my in my research, here's how I know it's made for families. This is the level of of wholesomeness. There was one thing that censors determined must be deleted. And it was a scene when the car backfired because we can't even have the implication of flatulence. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we can't have the implication of flatulence here. Like we can't have the car backfire. That's a reincarnated dead woman. Yes, we're we're going to have to uh, 
uh, scrub every reference of the word tailpipe. <laughs> so it's definitely safe for kids. And this is a show that has no laugh track. And it was honestly hard for me to really understand when they were telling jokes and when this was just some bizarre experiment gone horribly wrong. So the premise yeah, is like a terrible I, waking nightmare. Yeah, that's what it feels like because so the opening scene jerry van dyke goes to purchase a vehicle okay we jump straight to it there's no character development it's just jerry van dyke wandering around a car lot he then you know sees this old car that he bumps into it's beat up and he gets into it and through the radio the voice of his mother appears okay and his she's not even mother. that his dead, his mother is dead. And the other thing is, they jumped right to the car lot scene. There's no character <laughs> development. I know nothing about Jerry Van Dyke, and I know nothing about his mother. What kind of relationship they had, or how they died, or what made her reincarnate into a car. It, because the the opening credits basically make a case, like the theme song. And that's the other thing about shows, these kind of shows. The theme song basically tell you everything you need it's, to know to jump right yeah, in. Yeah, the theme song is the exposition. Exactly. And the theme song for this show literally just makes a case that we all come back somehow. This one just happened to be a talking car, though there's no more reincarnated characters in the whole show. Yeah. Okay. Right off the bat, you know, you are introducing a worldview that like, like, okay, I need you to unpack this a bit more. We all come back. Some of us as inanimate objects. Can you, can you maybe dive a bit deeper into that before you skip straight to the hilarious yuck yucks and, and wouldn't it stand a reason that if jerry van dyke's mother came back as a car there'd be other you know haunted cars driving around like we don't meet any re- reincarnated yeah, they, objects they they didn't say you know in this bizarre situation a woman came back as a car they said we <laughs> all come back because even yeah exactly like even if they would have said like his mother was hit by a car and, and during the 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 horrific accident there was a lightning strike and somehow her soul fused into it be like, okay i got it that that you know i'll suspend my disbelief enough to want to enjoy the show you know but they don't even give us that it's literally everyone this happens to everyone so it's like you know we've gone from hilarious 1960s sitcom to david cronenberg body horror before we even get past the credits <laughs> yeah, david cronenberg probably loved this because he did that movie crash where people literally crash in cars <laughs> and fuse with them so it, it, the, brings, the, it brings a whole new level to that movie yeah <laughs> yeah a whole new sick level of david cronenbergian body horror okay so the other thing about this is our hero jerry van dyke is obviously having marriage problems because his wife does not approve of his purchase and she just simply refuses to believe him that his mother is fused into this vehicle but the other twist of this show is that there is a, a villainous car collector who really wants this car and his name for reasons that are unclear he's a captain and his name is captain manzini we never really understand what he captains we just we just know he's very passionate about old cars and really has eyes for this one and so the whole series is basically jerry van dyke trying not to look like an insane person around his family by talking to his mother who's fused into his dead mother who's fused into the car and and trying to evade Captain Manzini. I'm going to read, okay, Adam, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a couple plot uh, summaries from IMDb, if that's okay sure. with you, for individual episodes. 
Okay, this is one. In order to get his mitts on the porter, <laughs> which, by the way, the car models a porter because that sounds like a weird euphemism. Got to get my mitts on the porter. <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> they, they cut that out along with the tailpipe references. Okay, but the show is really dark, too, because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the show, is really, I should preface this, the show is like really dark but doesn't i don't think he's aware how dark it is like there's a lot of head injury it things in it like his wife is like the opening scene the big the big laugh line is when he gets into the car at the car lot jerry van dyke and the radio starts talking to him in his mother's voice and his mother isn't surprised at all by the way she's just like <laughs> it's me you dummy like he's not like compassionate like oh i'm dead i'm my son i've been dead i'm reunited she's instantly irritated at him right and in his shock he springs from the driver's seat and shoots through the fabric roof with like a pratfall, but there's no laugh track. So it just comes off as like really weird and like kind of awkward. And, and his wife assumes that this is all a delusion set on by his head injury, which he incurred by jumping through the roof of the car. So, which, okay. Which I think is, you know, as the audience is a safe assumption on our part too, that we're just getting a window into this guy's traumatic brain injury. <laughs> So, so I'm going to read you a couple episode synopsis. It, okay, so in order to get his mitts on the porter, again, the porter is the fake of the car. <laughs> oh, God. I can tell this is going to be a fun episode. Okay, in order to get his mitts on the porter, Captain Manzini fakes a terminal illness. What kind of sociopath would do such a thing? <laughs> like... Fake a terminal illness? Yet, like he wants the car out of sympathy. That that just doesn't seem you know like a cool move. Okay, Dave put Dave puts a TV. Okay, this is an episode of a television show that actually aired. Dave put Dave is the, is Jerry Van Dyke's character. Dave puts a TV in the garage for his mother, but confusion abounds when she wins a chance to appear on a game show. <laughs> <laughs> Does it ever explain? What what parts of the car are like analogous to which body parts of his mother? Does she see out of the headlights, or is is she a disembodied soul with no sensation? The, all all Just, we full all that's fully clear. You know, it, the, there are some continuity issues. Okay, uh, <laughs> because she seems irritated when Dave bumps into her in the car lot, knocks a mirror off, but she seems fine with him jumping his head through the roof. So again, there, there, I don't think yeah. there was a lot of, there was so, a lot of thought into the continuity. Yeah. So like if, if there was some sort of continuity, he essentially just burst through her chest cavity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some sort. Of, yeah, some some sort of weird alien scenario. Okay, here's another one. Dave is hired by a landlord, keen on evicting a tenant, running a Greek tavern with belly dancing in his building. Dave and Barb, who's his mother, check out the place, and the landlord shows up, and they may must avoid being seen. Okay, the reason why I like this premise is because there's a couple premises to these old shows. There are a couple tropes that re-show up every time, okay? One is amnesia. Head injuries used to be hilarious before we realized about <laughs> CTE. Like, every one of these shows, once a season, had to have a good amnesia episode, you know? Yeah. A and I love how in these old shows, amnesia was always cured the same way with another traumatic, you know, shot to the head. <laughs> Every time the second coconut restores the memory. Okay, so so this they unfortunately also, it also unleashes terrible violent tendencies. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it has horrible, horrible outcomes later in life. Okay, so the, the the tropes that I love that always show up in these shows, amnesia. Okay, how about this? 
accidentally going on two dates at one time, which I don't know for certain that happened to my mother car, but I'd be shocked if, if, if he didn't go on two <laughs> dates at one time. Um, some dream sequence involving time travel. We always see that. Uh, yep. How about this? Th- th- this one kind of goes into the Greek tavern belly dancing thing. Uh, there always seemed to be an episode where they were like hiding a cat from the landlord, where the whole episode was just people hiding cats or dogs from a landlord. And finally, how about this for old things that used to be in great sitcoms? There was always a neighbor kid who your introduction is always them peeking through the window and either winking or waving to the family, <laughs> where if I had a kid in my neighborhood was always peeking through windows, I think that would be a little bit of a problem. But evidently, that's how people, that's what neighbor kids used to do. Like before you could text or, or, or set play dates, there's always a kid knocking on the window, just winking in at dinner time. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, I feel like that actually did happen. Like in the eighties, there was always that neighbor kid who was just constantly showing up at your house. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's it just, it's just like, Hey, you never heard of doorbell kid? Like you, 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 it's, we're sitting here in the little, in the dining area and I got Urkel sticking his head through a window. You know, yeah, like but windows before we had a, a really good uh, understanding of what a complete uh, like a complete lack of being able to read social cues actually uh, actually meant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're halfway to home invasion all the time, which, by the way, windowsills and old TV shows, old children's TV shows were meant for two things. Neighborhood kids peeping in or cooling pies. Cool and basically, pies. B- basically a big bear trap out there. Yep. Just attract all the bears. Just cool that yep. pie and in the windowsill. Not, not, not only that, but passing hobos. <laughs> they they smell it from a mile away. Sometimes in these shows, quite literally. You know, they hop right off the train. They smelled right. it from the train, you know, on the yep, other side of town. They're gonna they're just gonna boil and eat an old boot. But <laughs> the, the but, lovely pie scent wafting by the train yard. Did someone just bake some Huckleberry? <laughs> so, so, someone cooling some Huckleberry? All right, Adam, my number four was uh, was my mother car. What's number four on your list? Okay, so I'm going to go with, uh, this one's a bit obscure in terms okay. of children's shows. But uh, if, if, you, uh, if you pay attention to children's TV, if you have kids, you've probably come across a show called Coco Melon. Right. It was actually okay. the number one streaming show in the world last year. Right. Wow. Uh, on any streaming platform, apparently. Okay. Uh, and essentially, what Coco Mountain is, is it's a really poorly computer animated uh, show that just is like basic songs and nursery rhymes uh, acted out by an irritating family. Right. Okay. Now, I don't <laughs> want to talk about Coco Mountain. What I okay. want to talk about is the uh, an imitator of Cocomelon because there are okay. many, many, many Cocomelon clones out there, okay. right? The most egregious is one called Super JJ, right? Okay. Or no, I'm sorry, it's Super Jojo. Okay. Uh, Super Jojo, you can find on YouTube. Uh, and if you uh, are very, very unlucky or have built up some sort of karmic debt, your child will end up liking that better than Cocomelon <laughs> and will ask for it by name. Right? So, so it, it, it's essentially like the dollar store version of, of a Walmart toy. Yes. It's a dollar store version of something that's already awful. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's like if, uh, you know, if you had to go to the supermarket and buy like cold beets, you know, yeah. 
This would be the the dented can that's on sale with no label. So, so what? So, in addition to having a family perform Norfolk, uh, 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 nursery rhymes, is there a plot? Is there a, is there like a premise? No, there's no premise. There's no premise at all. It's just it's just songs, right? It's just singing. Yeah. Now, Cocomelon is is irritating enough, right? Yeah. Um, but the I will give it this: they sing you know, normal songs and nursery rhymes that you might have heard before. Yeah. Some of them might be original, but they rhyme. Okay. Yeah. Super Jojo, for some reason, the songs have no sense of meter, rhythm, or rhyming, right? Yeah. It's like it's like they they it's almost as though someone dared them to make <laughs> songs without rhyming, even when the most obvious word choice for the next line was a rhyming word. Like if they, if they see a rhyme coming up in the road ahead, they will swerve off a cliff to avoid it. Right. Um, And unfortunately the songs themselves will burrow their way into your head Mm. and you'll hear them. Like you'll wake up screaming, hearing them. Um, But I'll, I'll give you an example Okay. So we all know the uh, the classic ch- children's rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. Yes, of course. Now, if I were to say the words Humpty Dumpty, what would be the next words that is immediately sprang to your mind? I, I would think sat on a wall. Right. Because you are not one of the... Uh, the um, intelligence agencies uh, <laughs> who have been tasked with this uh, terrible psyop. Uh, so this is so what you're, what you're suggesting is like this is some sort of like MK Ultra brainwashing scheme aimed at children. Uh, I think it's aimed at parents to okay. destroy parental sanity because they decided Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. No, that's not good enough. What if we said Humpty Dumpty? A little egg. <laughs> now we could we could say something perhaps about Humpty's leg, but no. What if we made the next line? See what we can make with it. <laughs> we could so, after that we could go you know deviate back towards the norm and say had a great fall. But what if we said, oh no, oh no, he fell on the floor. <laughs> It's almost like it's almost like a Mad Libs, you know. Except they 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 like challenge you. It has to be nine words the next verse or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) It's honestly, it's their their commitment to avoiding rhymes or traditional meter at all costs is is almost inspiring. Let's pretend shop. How often does your daughter watch this? Watch this. Well, program? Uh, we finally started saying no to it and yeah. presenting alternatives because there was a time there where that's all she wanted to watch, and <laughs> it, it would be like just wall to wall Super JoJo, in, and even trying to get her to go back to Coco Melon, which I should I should stress, Coco Melon is 
pretty much like the it feels like the equivalent of being slowly run over by a steamroller right <laughs> so it's it's but, not but a, at, at least you see it coming and you know what to expect you know exactly. not like yeah you know. <laughs> Exactly. Whereas, yeah, Super Jojo is like if suddenly the steamroller was halfway running over you and then it backed up and an anvil <laughs> fell on you on you out of nowhere. And, and, and at least that at least the anvil falling on you would remind you of a simpler time when, you know, children's programming was basically displays of extreme comic violence. Like there was not <laughs> like that was the height of comedy when I was a kid. Either one character literally smacking the other in the head with a hammer or like a, either a grand piano or mallet crushing them to death. It was like, oh, this is comedy. This is, you know, <laughs> but at least I understood what the joke was. It's you know? true. It's true. So remind me again, it's JoJo. What's what's the full title? Super JoJo. Super JoJo. Okay, Super JoJo number four. Everyone, uh, go to your wireless router and block that from, from uh, coming into your children's view. <laughs> okay, Adam, I have one that... <clears throat> You know, I had kind of a love-hate relationship with a while uh, on, on, as my number three. Um, because when my kids were young, especially my son, really enjoyed Daniel's Tiger, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. Oh, Daniel Tiger. Yes. I thought about including that one. Okay. So, so here's why, you know, at first I didn't really mind it because it was better than the weird YouTubes, which I have some YouTube stuff coming down my, coming down the list, but like, it was at least like it was on PBS and I like, I like public broadcasting, you know? And I think my, you know, I have such a, uh, um, indifferent relationship with with Fred Rogers, like, oh, he's fine. He's great. You know, whatever. Yeah. Who, who, yeah. You know, exactly. Who doesn't love Mr. Rogers? And it's part of the Mr. Rogers extended universe. A- exactly. And it's, it's an animated show. So for people that haven't seen Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, it's basically this little kid who lives in the seaside village. And, uh, I would say he goes on adventures, but there are no adventures. Here's the thing. What happens when you start watching, you kind of like the charm of the animation and the music and the Mr. Rogers universe and the, and sort of the artsiness pulls you in. But then you realize that the plot points is like Daniel Tiger is the whiniest kid ever and just needs to toughen up because every, every episode is like Daniel said, because that music class Miss Elena was playing the triangle today and he wanted to, it's like Dan or Daniel's crying because he's got to eat his vegetables before he he eats his cake. Daniel's upset because his red sweater is in the wash. Only his blue (laughs) sweater is clean. And I'm like, these coddled kids, like they don't need to be watching this show. There are real problems in the world, man. Like (laughs) when I was a kid, like there's a, there's like a whole episode where like one of his buddies doesn't want to play with him for five minutes because his buddy's in the middle of something. When I was a kid, it was go outside and find some sticks and you can come home when it's dark. And I don't really want (laughs) to hear it. I don't want to hear the complaints. And we did, you know, like we built, built sketchy bike ramps for fun out of, out of like pieces of wood that we like cobbled together from our friend's dad's garage yeah, just you know just once i went to see his dad like you know oh dad but if i wear my blue sweater instead of my red sweater am i really me and his dad's like boy that sounds like a big problem daniel you know when i was a boy my father was killed by poachers so maybe just <laughs> shut up for a second yeah yeah oh oh daniel the book that you wanted to check out the let the library isn't going to be back to till tomorrow guess what they had to deal with a few generations ago polio now suck it up and get a different book 
Here's my other big here's my other big problem with Dan the Tiger neighborhood. His grandfather, like, I don't really, I don't, I have listen. I have no animosity towards the French. Let me preface what I'm about to say by <laughs> any any French listeners. I got no beef. Okay, I I, I love your bread. I love lots. I I've, I've I hope to 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 visit your your country someday. But his grandfather's grandpier, and he speaks with a heavy French accent, and yes. it's never made clear. What is is he delusional? Is he French? Why do why is there any other like what what references to France? He just has a random French French grandfather. Like (laughs) why why does he call him Grandpierre or Grandpere or whatever? Like and and why does he wear a beret? Like and don't try that whining crap out with him, Daniel, because he fought in the French Resistance against the Nazis. He's seen some stuff. (laughs) He's a a legionnaire, man. Like that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And that guy ain't riding around town with a baguette in the basket of his bike, okay? He might have the little, the, the beret. But yeah, you, d- don't mess with it. He's not hearing your problems, Daniel. You eat your you eat your freaking vegetables when grandpa's around, and don't you whine about it. Ice treats for me, and ice treats for you. Yummy, yummy treats in my tummy. Hi, Tiger family. Does anyone want an ice cold treat? Me, I do, please. Yay! <laughs> We love some treats. Yeah. The other thing that I have a a big problem with is uh, Prince uh, Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. Is Daniel friends with him because he likes him or is he friends with him because his father is the king and could have Daniel's entire family executed? <laughs> it's true. It's true. And by the way, what a weird town, too. Like, one, there seems to be about a dozen residents, but they have a prolific manufacturing scene. His dad works <laughs> at a clock factory, and I know there's at least three other. Fa- I know there's a music factory and a crayon factory in town. I don't know who's putting in all the hours, and I don't know who. I don't know how the, the king can't got involved here, but it's a monarchy. Well, it's, I, I think if you look at it, it's a kind of a feudal system because it's like, you know, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it seems to be kind of a city state, you know, it operates <laughs> yeah. on the city state principle. <laughs> yeah. uh, and King Friday is like the feudal lord. Yeah. So in exchange for some of their crayons and clocks, he protects them from, you know, Viking invaders. <laughs> and, and and it seems to be his single contribution to the municipal system is a trolley system. Like that is it. A, ve- a, very, have, a very sophisticated trolley system. Yes, they have better public transport than most American cities. Yeah, I mean, it, that maybe that's the French thing. Maybe maybe you know the grandpere brought that over from from his Parisian <laughs> his per, the Parisian subway inspired trolley system. Okay, all right. I'm Daniel Tiger. It's my number three. What do you got for number three on your list? Okay, so my number three is basically what would happen if you let uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky make a children's show, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a little something called In the Night Garden. Now, In the Night Garden? In the Night Garden. Right. Okay. Now, it, it kind of sounds terrifying. It sounds is, it it sounds like an erotic thriller that was like made up on Seinfeld. <laughs> you know what um, I mean? It ha- sounds like something <laughs> like it sounds like it would play before like Rochelle Rochelle. Rochelle Rochelle, it, yeah. 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 <laughs> um it, you're not far off. You're not far okay. off because okay. there is a lot of subtle eroticism. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's by the makers of the Teletubbies, which okay. uh, if you're familiar with the Teletubbies, you're already familiar with the the level of insanity we're dealing with here. Yeah. So in the Night Garden is essentially a uh, TV show about a bunch of uh, terrifying creatures who live in the woods and go around open mouth kissing each other. Right. Okay. What, what, what network does this play on? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I, I think in the UK it's BBC. Okay. Um, okay. And over here it plays on our equivalent, the ABC. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, so to give you an idea of the characters, there's uh, one named Iggle Piggle uh, who looks like kind of a, a dollar store version of Gumby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he uh, he just basically all he does is really just walk around uh, carrying a blanket and open mouth kissing another one of the characters named Upsy Daisy. Right. Upsy <laughs> yeah. uh, Daisy is this kind of freakish doll like creature who has uh, a sentient bed that tries to run away from her at times and she chases it and then savagely beats it. Right. What? <laughs> okay. I'm not making this up. Yeah, this, yeah, is this, is, yeah. this is the actual show. It's, it's, let me say this too. I don't understand how, like, obviously, you know, b- being raised in the United States, other than. PBS and like NPR, the concept of like publicly funded programming, that's like a big thing, you know, because like PBS and, and, and NPR are sort of just little side notes to everything else, you know, which is yeah. like, oh, this cute thing we do, kind of like the library. Like, oh, if you stumble <laughs> in one, it's not too bad, but no one's going there anymore. You know what I mean? Like, unless I need to, like, I'm driving by and really need to use a public restroom. Like, oh, the <laughs> library's there. Or there's like a civic meeting there, but no one's you Like, that's how, like, public, but it seems like BBC, they just green light weird stuff and everybody in the country w- uh, watches it. Yes, yeah. And it's a, it's the same deal with the ABC here, um, which just gets a lot of BBC stuff. Yeah. But uh, then there's a, another a trio of characters called the Tombly Boos, right? Okay. And the Tombly Boos uh, are kind of giant infants okay. uh, who just say their own names and, once again, open mouth kiss each other, okay. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty much how it goes. One of them says their name. They open mouth kiss the one next to it. The other one says their name. They open mouth kits the next one, right? Now, now, is there plots, or do they like, or are they just do they go on adventures or learn lessons, or no, is it just no, sort of a want, trippy? They, it's a sort of a trip. They just wander around. Um, then there's uh, Macapaca, who looks kind of like the Michelin Man. Yeah, uh, and he just wanders around giving the other characters sponge baths. <laughs> Once again. I'm not making this up. This is what really happens in yeah. this show. Um, and uh, one of the one of the kind of central focuses of the show, if there if there is any central focus, yeah. is at least once per episode, 
the ride on this weird little train um, called the the Ninky Knock, right? Okay, and that's it. That's they don't have no particular destination in mind. They just get on this thing, and then it careens out of control, and they love every second of it. Like, oh yay! I hope this takes us to our fiery deaths. We're all insane. But uh, okay, so here's my question about this show, Adam. Do you think that the makers of it? are either like just the worst people in the world and the late and, and like the weirdest people in the world and just like the most like sort of cr- creatively uh, deficient people in the world because they can't, you know, there's no real plot to this. Or do you think they are super geniuses because they don't really have to work anymore. All they got, they're like, Hey, what's they, there's no writing staff. It's like, Hey, what's the next episode? I don't know, man. Just kind of do a variation of what we did last week. Like you kind of respect the hustle. Each other. Do you kind of respect the hustle of the creators of that show? I I half suspect that they just found these things living in the woods and it's a nature documentary. <laughs> They're just filming. There's fun. There's so long for the ride. Yeah, exactly. This is cinema verite. You know, they're just like, you know, like, look, we're just presenting the unvarnished truth here. So, so here, here's one thing I've observed about children's television program these days. Like, I feel like they've, they've exchanged like what we grew up on, which was hyper violence. Okay. Like in exchange for just like psychedelic trippiness, like it just weird, colorful people dancing around, kissing and having fun. When we were kids, man, like in the credits of a show. Like I could literally, if I turn on a show and I didn't see one like Jeep outfitted with automatic weapons, run another Jeep off the road where it goes careening down a mountain, doing flips and exploding. I'm probably not watching that show. Like a horrific car accident happened. Like GI Joe, it's like, Oh, when am I going to see a Jeep flip and probably a bunch of henchmen die? Like that was, that was appropriate for like a six year old when we were kids. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, you know, case in point, I, as I said, I took my daughter to see Raiders of the Lost Ark on the weekend, which yeah. I saw when I was her age or younger and yeah. watched probably on, uh, you know, uh, several times a week for yeah. years. Um, and, uh, sitting there, I was like, Oh my, this is, this is very, very violent. <laughs> so I probably should have previewed it for the four-year-old before a, a beating heart is ripped out of someone's chest live on screen. <laughs> and it's not off, it's not implied. Them. It's not implied. Like this is, it just happens. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to zoom in tight here for the face. Yeah, melt. Before, before God melts everyone's faces off. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was kind of gratifying, you know, cause I, I would tell her during the scary bits, you know, like hide your eyes and I'll tell you when the scary bit is over and i was able in the moment where you know the arc is killing all the nazis to actually say along with indiana jones uh, don't look at it keep your eyes shut <laughs> it's like dude kids when we were kids man like we, we were we were raised on like listen man i am going to watch a a a, a man agonizingly slowly melt before my eyes because of an ancient curse. Okay. Exactly. Now it's like the high trauma. But your red sweater is dirty. Oh, Daniel. High trauma for my kid is Daniel Tiger had a sniffly nose. So he missed the tour to the crayon factory today. It's like, (laughs) I just watched a human heart get ripped out of a man's chest with a bare hand. (laughs) I was four and I'm fine. I am fine. Yeah. Even, even the, even the the most innocuous cartoons in our days, like say Casper, that's about a dead child. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like I saw the first I saw like Tim Burton's Batman, maybe five. And it opens with a graphic, brutal mur- gangland murder of his parents. And it's like, OK, I'm in. <laughs> I'm five. <laughs> I, I got the, I got the toy. I got the toy Batmobile with my Happy Meal. How bad could the movie be? You know, <laughs> like I just saw Jack Nicholson fall into a vat of acid and get horrifically <laughs> deformed. And my parents are like, that's cool. You're 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 in second grade, but you can yep, handle that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the, world, the world's not all cran factories, kid. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, there there's little islands where where fictional tigers dance around and then there's Gotham City and some real stuff goes down on there. So buckle <laughs> up, son. <laughs> All right. So out of my number three, again, I'm kind of cheating here because this is I guess it's sort of a kid show, but it was it was also a family sitcom. And episodes also exist on YouTube for people who want to go back and, and watch the, the cadence of this humor. Uh, the, the show. And again, I have a deep love for weird sitcoms from from the 80s and 90s. Uh, and this show, uh, it, it, I think I, I wasn't, I was very young when it debuted in 1985. I was born in 83, so I really missed, you know, the prime years, but it was in syndication when I was a kid and I watched a tremendous amount of TV as a television as a kid, <laughs> totally unsupervised, just watch whatever, you know? And I feel yep. like there was a time when the, when the cable network USA here was weird sitcoms from the eighties and just marathons of the sitcom wings. Like that was all the <laughs> USA network was. <laughs> <laughs> like now I feel like like it's weird cop shows that star like ex uh, cast members from like uh, uh, Saved by the Bell like that's what USA is now you know or like Paul Reiser as like a really great detective or something you know and then reruns of Modern Family but when I was growing up it was weird 80s sitcoms and wings and one of the, my favorite weird 80s sitcoms that used to play on that network was a show called Small Wonder she's a small I knew it. I knew this would be your next one. Okay, uh, Adam, uh, I was going to describe the plot of Small Wonder, but you seem pretty familiar with the series. Can you tell people what it's about? I have not seen the series since its first run, but I remember watching it when it was on. And what I, uh, the premise as I remember it is a lonely guy builds himself a daughter. Well, well, okay. So, so you're pretty close. He's a robotics engineer who, and he has a family. Okay. So, 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 uh, but he decides as like sort of a project, you know, he, he's a, he's a robotics engineer to build a daughter, like a humanoid little child okay and uh on the show he just decides that the best move here would just to make the pretend as if this robot daughter is one of my children and but the thing is like there was so little effort into like selling the robot thing like okay so even the mad props to uh uh tiffany bressett for playing the robot thing pretty straight like it's actually pretty disorienting when you watch it because for the four-year run of this show she never smiles once she he didn't program her with any personality okay yeah robots can't feel love 
We all well, know that. It, and this is a big problem with 80s robots. They skip the details, okay? 80s robots, like, if you talk Hall of Fame 80s robots here, okay, no, I would say on that list is the robot that R- Rocky gives uh, a, a friend oh, in Rocky yeah. for. He gives Rocky... And, and, and evidently, Paulie Fall is in love with that. I think we talked about that last time. Like, you know, a, 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 you know that that's peak '80s robot. But even like, if you think about Terminator, okay, here's my beef with Terminator. Right, you know, a great '80s robot. But again, they skip sort of the, some of the details. Is like you have to, you, you have to. Here's the the degree you have to suspend a weird part of your disbelief, and it's this. Okay. This robot is so advanced that it's made, you know, at the time, like 60 years in the future. This robot can travel through time. It, it can emulate humanity. It, it, it is virtually invincible. It is programmed. It has an eye that can look at things and using its high tech mainframe can determine what it's looking at and know everything about that thing. It is the most advanced robot ever. But for some reason, it speaks with an Austrian accent in English. <laughs> so what we have to presume is that in the far future, the 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 it's not even made by humans. It's made by other robots, right? That's right. That to, to fool humans. So you got to, but the engineers at some point are like, I got to have this conversation. Like, all right, it's almost done. All we got to do is give him a voice, okay? Like, like, okay, I got it. He'll he'll speak Austrian. He'll speak in an Austrian accent. They're like. You you mean he speaks Austrian? No no no, he speaks English but with an Austrian <laughs> accent. Like why do, should we just program him we, to speak without an accent? Like yeah, he can do we want, anything. We want this robot to blend in. So let's make him a a, a giant Adonis <laughs> with a funny accent. Yeah, it's it's like okay, hold on a sec. Why don't we just give him just not make him speak in an Austrian accent. Won't that raise some questions? Like we had, he can ride a motorcycle without ever seeing a motorcycle before. He can reload a shotgun while driving through a drainage ditch, being traced by a semi truck. Can we just change it for out the aux- without the Austrian accent? Like so, hypothetically, this is an English robot that spent some time in Austria. What's what's the story? <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, it's like if you want to make a robot that can blend in with humans. He's a robot. He is super strong by virtue of being a robot. He doesn't have to look like the like the honest to God winner of the Mr. Universe title, right? Make him look like Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, his muscles don't do anything. It's established. I saw his skin get blown off and his robot arm works just fine. It's pure He's still chrome. just as strong. Because listen, if I'm going back, if I'm a robot assassin, all right, we've all seen Terminator. If if a six foot two Austrian bodybuilder walks into a building and goes, Sarakana, please, that's going to raise some red flags. Exactly. If, My very first thought would be, this is a time traveling robot assassin. Yeah, exactly. Either either that is a, a deranged, gigantic maniac, or that that is a robot that traveled through time to assassinate someone. Neither is good scenarios. But, but yeah. yeah, if he looked like Martin Short, it'd be like, yeah. and he's like, uh, Sarah Connor, please, oh, come on in. She's she's <laughs> she's coming out of a meeting. She'll be right here. No red flags at all. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he's still 
still can have the robot skeleton. Okay, so here's my beef with small. Well, I have a lot of beefs with small wonder. It's a creepy premise for one. Uh, but two, season three, like the actress was was maturing because she's actually an adult child, and they just wrote it like I'm going to do an upgrade and just change her entire face and just make her grow up. But they just explain it away like, oh, she went through an upgrade, which reminds me of another great trope of these shows. It's like family members would just appear and disappear without any explanation. Like yes. we have a third sister now and you just accept that as a viewer you know or we no longer have a third sister who cares she probably reincarnated to a car who cares <laughs> which i i think it goes lends a lot of credibility toward uh, a theory that i just came up with just this moment that sitcoms the kind of the the meta premise of sitcoms is that these are people who are unaware that they're living in an in a human zoo uh being observed by aliens and so yeah. they can introduce and extract different you know different family members at any time and just alter the subject's memories accordingly or, or just give or randomly one episode a one of the characters can time travel just because we right. ran out of plot device or one can go into the basement and invent a machine that will change his biology and turn him into a super suave like will literally change his personhood and we're just going to introduce that in the the show he could use that for so many things, Stefan or Kel. Here's my, other th- but my other big beef with Small Wonder is if you look at this, like they, the, the only clue other than her mannerisms that she's a robot is an exposed circuit board on her back. Okay. Yeah. It is. You, you built the most lifelike humanoid robot in history. You couldn't have covered up that bit. <laughs> it's on her back. You could just have her wear a hoodie, like just cover <laughs> a poncho, just put a poncho on. <laughs> The other thing too, it looks like they it looks like when they were about to shoot the show. Like they the director came, the set designer's like, You got time to throw together a circuit board? He's like, Oh uh, yeah. And it looks like he took it, it looks like he cut up a pizza box, glued a bunch of like buttons to it, and then wrote with marker Vicky. Like it literally looks like someone wrote on there Vicky. Like you couldn't even print it out. You couldn't even have like I'm not asking for light up letters, but you had to draw it on with a magic marker, you know. By the way, I feel like we skipped over a really terrifying subtext here, being that an adult man upgraded his robot daughter to go through puberty. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of things in this show that it's just better not to even think about. Yeah. Like the other thing too is Vicky has superhuman strength and speed. Like you know, she could this could have turned Terminator really quick if they wanted to, which honestly, if ter- if Termin- if they had decided that the Terminator going back through time was like a nine year old girl, not, you know, peak Arnold Schwarzenegger, that would have been a more terrifying. It would have made more sense. Yeah. 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 It, it would. It would. It would just yeah, all the way around been a better film. OK, Adam, a small wonder is is my number two. What do you got for number two on your list? OK, now I know that you've seen this one okay. many, many times. Okay. Peppa Pig. Oh, dear Lord. Here we go. Here we it go. It is the bane of every parent's existence. My daughter is infatuated with Peppa Pig. Oh, everyone, everyone's child at that age loves Peppa Pig. And, and I'll say this, though. So if you were to give, if you were just describe a bunch of shows to me and say, you got to p- choose one that you think your kid's going to like, Peppa Pig would be the last on the list. Because essentially, for people who haven't seen, it's like a, a family of pigs that are poorly animated that, uh, you know, go on non-adventures and, and speak in British accents. That's the yeah, entire. And, 
and the, and the humor is all like highly cynical social satire that yeah. only adults could get. Yeah. And at first, as an adult, you will love that aspect of it, right? Yeah. When you start watching it, you'll think Peppa Pig is the best children's show you've ever seen because it's it's written so intelligently. Yeah. But as you keep watching it, you will see the like the absolute contempt that the writers have for all these characters and humanity in general. It's like the the world's most misanthropic nihilists came up with this show. <laughs> like the the children are awful. The adults yeah. are equally awful. And all of them have this unearned, like white privilege confidence about everything they do and are immediately put in their place by, you know, just normal circumstance. Like Daddy Pig, at least once an episode, will say, oh, I'm an expert at climbing trees. And then microseconds later, fall out of a tree, right? It's it's such a biting, skewering commentary on like Western upper middle class culture. I half suspect that it's North Korean propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> making you want to hate western culture the other yep. thing too the the other thing too is like the disdain they particularly have for the father of on the show of daddy papa peppa pig papa pig i can daddy pig or whatever daddy pig daddy pig because the main thing he's good for is making a mess and being the subject of jokes about his weight. Like yes. that's the entire that's yeah. the entirety of the character. Yeah. yeah. There's no like and, fatherly advice. It's just, and, hey, look at this big dumb pig I have for a dad, you know? Yeah, and you'd and you'd feel bad for him if not for the fact that every bad thing that happens to him, seconds before it happens, he has declared himself the the best, most qualified person in the world to you know, do the thing that, that ends up, uh, in his embarrassment. You know, it's uh, honestly, it is just every, uh, like it, it's every like unearned male confidence trope you could possibly imagine all rolled into one loathsome character. <laughs> he never learns any lessons and never has really anything good to contribute to his family or society in general. No. I mean, literally, he's just getting stuck places a lot and other people have to go figure out how to help him out <laughs> after they laugh at him as at his expense. Like that's his that's almost his entire existence, you know? One of one of my favorite episodes is where uh he Mummy Pig decides to do a skydive to raise money for the school. <laughs> and uh, Daddy Pig goes up in the plane with her and is leaning out the door of the plane, you know, to comment on how far down it looks when he falls out of the plane. And instead of everyone screaming in terror as, you know, the the children's father and, you know, the, the friends to everyone in town plummets to the earth they just you know kind of remark on it like oh daddy pig fell out of the airplane he's plummeting to his death hey maybe you shouldn't have got so close to the bay door you big dumb hog <laughs> you know like that's pretty much how they treat that's pretty much how they treat it don't worry mummy pig remember you've got a parachute yes daddy pig oh we are a long way from the ground oh. Oh dear, Daddy Pig has fallen out of the plane. There she goes. No, wait, that's Daddy Pig. Wait for me, Daddy Pig. Whee! 
Mommy Pig has jumped? She is going to rescue Daddy Pig. All right, Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig number two. All right, my number one, and my number one's kind of going back to your uh, your YouTube knockoff show. And this is something that I've been like very disturbed by, um, you know, but it seems like it just, like I had mixed feelings when my when my daughter got really into like shows like that started off as like YouTube unboxing shows. And now it's like just kids playing, you know, but some of them are done like reasonably well. Like mm-hmm. there's that kid, Ryan, who I read that that kid, Ryan's mystery Playdate kid who started off as like a, a YouTube unboxer. He made like a quarter billion dollars last year from YouTube. And like, the, and I'm like, you know what? mad pro- like that's a yeah that's not exploiting that kid that's setting yeah, that kid game, up for life for playing for toys yeah, on youtube he's yeah, gonna be game, just fine game recognized game yeah exactly but what i do have an issue with this is my number one is my my least favorite kids quote-unquote show are are it, it, and i see a lot of kids watching including my own on is shows where other people are making their own shows by by playing with toys and voicing them. Yes. Because they always start innocuously enough. You know, like, oh, someone has all their Barbies and a couple Ninja Turtles set up in a flake, fake classroom. And I'll walk by and be like, that seems reasonably appropriate, I guess. Like, it, it, it doesn't seem all that high quality. It's not stop motion. You know, I can see the person's hand adjusting the characters. But, uh, you know, it's someone playing with toys. But I walked in the other day and I'm like, uh, they're in a hospital room and Barbie's giving birth very graphically. <laughs> like this does not seem this does not like SpongeBob just walked in and said we gotta do a C section. This ain't like the the thing with YouTube, <laughs> there's no filter. Or there's like the other ones is like where like people it's like, oh, this is a, a cool Spider-Man show. And it's like some guy with a Spider-Man costume for the Halloween store, like singing uh, nursery rhymes with like random characters from unassociated comic universes just wander in, you know, like, oh, now Batman's here. Now Elsa's here and they're all singing. Yeah, this is One. destroying the continuity. Yeah, you you gotta understand nothing about the Marvel universe. Nothing. How are you? I don't even get WandaVision. And now, how are you ever gonna get it if you're watching this? The other thing too is like those. I'm interested in your WandaVision take because it kind of goes back to this. But um, the other thing about those shows is like the weird YouTube stuff. It's like the nursery rhyme knockoff videos. Like a lot of them are like thick Russian accents. You know, yes. that makes me think like the Kremlin has a whole. Are like we heard. What, what was that? Uh, ag- that that Russian agency that had like you know this whole arm where they're like you know making fake content to you know rile up partisan divides on Facebook. Like there are some members of the Kremlin, like KGB <laughs> agents. Who Vladimir Putin's like, your job's to make fake nursery rhyme videos with thick Russian accents and dancing <laughs> Spider Man on YouTube. <laughs> Like, we're playing the long game with this one yes Vlad <laughs> yeah, exactly these children will grow up with a deep subliminal affinity for the, for mother Russia because they used, to, <laughs> they used to sit there and watch nursery rhymes with thick Russian accents all day but I just can't get over the weird weird fake TV shows on YouTube that's my number one I, I don't understand the appeal and they, and they kind of creep me out a little yeah my, our daughter got really obsessed with one with uh kids playing with Elsa and Anna dolls yeah, and Elsa and Anna's children, Elsia and Anya, which was apparently the, the most original names they could come up with for them. Um, 
but the they were just like the they were just awful just constantly like fighting with each other and screaming with each other and just yeah. being like just being generally terrible terrible children and finally we're like you can't watch this anymore those kids are awful <laughs> yeah, I, know, it's like, I know that they're just dolls but they're terrible and look would it kill the kids to have one quick writer's round table just to establish some <laughs> plot here because all i see is two kids having barbies yelling at each other and yeah, this exactly. is going nowhere you know and there's no character Story, development storyboard the thing first <laughs> exactly exactly even daniel tiger his adventures are lame but at least i know where it's going you know exactly. what i mean you gotta have some plot beats in there somewhere <laughs> all right but so what do you expect from kids who grow up on in the night garden <laughs> yeah, exactly psychedelic weirdness is just they think that's normal entertainment all right adam my number one is weird youtube fake kids shows with toys what is your even though those kids probably here's a sad thing you and i both in the content business for our entire, you know, the entirety of our adult lives. There's some nine-year-old who makes, you know, fake videos that have, you know, Power Rangers yelling at each other. That's going to make more in the content business from YouTube ads than you or I have ever made in, the, in oh, making content. without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so my number one has got to be Paw Patrol. I knew, I knew, I mean, you've long had a disdain for Paw Patrol. Oh my gosh, Paw Patrol. It is the, the most agonizingly terrible show. It was a toss-up, honestly, between this and PJ Masks. Okay. Which is equally <laughs> yeah. offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's think into Paw Patrol. Before you, before you do the beef, can I just set up the premise for this show? Yes, please. <clears throat> there are a group of puppies who uh, can communicate with each other. And they serve different, very, very essential functions, like the most the, the most important jobs that you can have to keep society running. There's a group of about six puppies that do it for this island, and the show yeah. follows their sort of misadventures. Exactly. So they're basically the search and rescue services, yeah, the emergency services for this island, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, not adult dogs, mind you. Like it's it's bad enough to contract out your your society's entire emergency services operations to dogs but not even adult dogs puppies okay juvenile dogs and they're they're led by a human boy right once again not an adult a human boy yeah named Ryder, and uh each of these dogs basically serves the one function which is to sell toys and accessories right yeah yeah, because each one has their own specific vehicle. You've got the fire dog with his fire truck, the bulldozer dog with his bulldozer, you know, the the helicopter rescue dog with her her helicopter, so on and so forth. Um, and and, and one other thing I want to say about the vehicles, real quick, it's the, the the search and rescue budget of this municipality that seems to be a few hundred people. Uh, these dogs have apparently about. $700 million at their disposal because they are the coolest vehicles in the world. Yeah. Well, not only did they have to buy all these vehicles, they then had to retrofit them to be <laughs> operable by, by dogs, right? And not like, just dogs. Puppies. You have to remove anything that requires opposable thumbs. <laughs> um, and every episode basically starts the same way. The, the puppies are clowning around playing with Ryder. Yeah. Um, always and and this is important to remember they're playing with Ryder okay yeah 
Um, and uh, Marshall, the fire puppy, somehow he's a big dumb idiot whose big thing is that he's clumsy. <laughs> somehow he falls over and everyone laughs like it's the funniest thing they ever did see. He, he's and their then, daddy pig. He's the daddy pig of their he crew. Is. He's their daddy yeah. pig. And then a call comes in to Ryder that someone <laughs> is in like imminent life-threatening peril. Okay. Like, hey, and so like, I'll give a scenario. Like, it's a storm. There's a snowstorm has blown through Adventure Bay and a hapless, uh, uh, you know, fisherman is stuck on a tiny melting piece of ice in a raging sea. Like it's yeah, bad has, news for that guy. He, he, he has minutes to live, right? <laughs> so they spring into action by holding a meeting. Okay. Where, where Ryder then in meticulous detail explains the problem to the puppies who were right next to him when the call came in. And he does it with accompanying animation that he is in, in the intervening period. He's put together this animation like a slide deck. He's got, he's, he's got to try to pitch deck to the pups. Yeah. Yes. He's, I mean, look, Part of my job is making slide decks. And I can tell you on average, they take me about 10 hours. Okay. (laughs) By the time they get to this, this accident scene, they're going to find a sun bleach skeleton. (laughs) Right. Um, But that's, so he, he uh, briefs them on the situation and then they all get into their, their highly marketable vehicles and drive off to save the day. Yeah. And the most of it is, uh, search and rescue stuff. So the main, I guess the main villain on Paw Patrol is just the cruel randomness of the universe. <laughs> yeah. um, now, but, yeah. Hey, there's an obscene amount of natural disasters that occur in Adventure <laughs> Bay. It is one of the most volatile places on earth to live. Yeah. yeah. But if there is like a secondary villain, it's the mayor of the next town over, right? <laughs> uh, mayor Humdinger. Yeah. <laughs> is he's not doing himself any favors because he's grown like a snidely whiplash mustache and uh he always wears a top hat but it's like you know we're just assuming some sort of nefarious like uh motive behind everything he does like he's yeah you know that there's treasure located and mayor humdinger is trying to get to the treasure before the puppies and they're like we've got to stop mayor humdinger and he's like i was going to use that to pay my uh nephew's medical bills but i guess i'm the jerk here huh <laughs> yeah hey i last time i checked buried treasures finders keeper situation <laughs> buried pups you didn't find it <laughs> i was gonna build a new community center with that but yeah no by yeah. all means i'm yeah, the bad yeah. guy yeah clearly your town needs it i just saw i just saw three puppy dogs roll up in a bus with a helicopter on the roof but no 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 <laughs> No, no, no. You use the treasure for your town. We need a new ward at the hospital. So Yeah, we can't afford a water treatment plant, but no. (laughs) You you guys are obvious. Take it. You need it more than us. Yeah. yeah, uh, uh, That orange one needs a new Zodiac that can also, uh, uh, you know, turn into an ATV. Clear, you know, like... (laughs) But yeah, so so Paw Patrol. um, It's uh, like... There's there's not anything like there's no redeeming quality to it. Like there's it doesn't feel like anyone learns any valuable lesson. The writing is absolutely terrible. None of the jokes land and the animation looks like a cutscene from a PS one. 
So. <laughs> well, I having spent, I, I we had a, a year, a couple, a, a Christmas, a couple of years ago, where a tremendous amount of money was spent uh, on whatever remaining Paw Patrol items I could find on the shelves of my local Target. <laughs> Again, game recognizes game. Whoever invented Paw Patrol is they, and I th- I think you know if there's anyone who would literally do the Scrooge McDuck dive into a gigantic bin of gold coins, it's the inventors of Paw Patrol. They, yeah, they, because yeah. they started from the toy idea and worked backwards. It, it hey, like I said, man, if if I wish I had thought of it. So even though it's so grating and it's number one on your list of your least favorite TV shows, I still I still got respect for it. I still got respect for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's like what do, what do kids like? Puppies and trucks. Okay, there you go. That's your pitch. That's the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. What what's the what's the, it's puppies and trucks. They do stuff. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, but what's what do you care? It's puppies and trucks. We're yeah. going to make a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. They 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 have lived in a very dangerous town and have an evil mayor next door. But who cares? They got sweet yeah. sweet yeah. trucks. Who are, who are you, David Mamet? What do you care yeah. what the plot is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Barreling blizzard blast coming this way. Take cover in the tent. Adam, you had a couple. Let's do a quick lightning round. Give me, give me three more, and give me a, a quick synopsis of why they made your list. Okay, PJ Masks. Uh, same, same deal as Paw Patrol. You've got three child superheroes uh, okay. who every night somehow manage to sneak out without their parents uh, <laughs> seeing them. To That's fight straight child's, up negligence. Yeah. <laughs> yes, to fight child supervillains who they always just kind of let go with a stern talking to, and it's like these these supervillains are literally trying to destroy the world. Take them to prison. (laughs) At least juvie. (laughs) Yeah. Like there needs to be some kind of intervention somewhere here. These, (laughs) like these kids are literal psychopaths. And every time you're just, you know, kind of wagging your finger at them and like, we'll see you tomorrow night. (laughs) You're part of the problem. PJ masks. Yeah. You just let terrorists go free. Yeah. And, and the, the central focus of PJ masks is one of the PJ masks always makes some selfish decision that they have to learn a lesson from Yeah, like, you know, Oh, the, the, the owl girl decides that she wants to be really good at soccer and she's going to show off her soccer skills instead of fighting the, the villains. They are trying to murder people. Like <laughs> let's put the soccer on the back burner. You idiot. Hey, how about this? After, after you, you, uh, uh apprehend the bad guys, then maybe pull a little nutmeg with your bud and <laughs> yeah. show them, show them the latest move you got. But, but until then the world is in imminent danger. All right. PJ mask. What do you got for your next one? Okay, uh, Caillou. Did you ever have the displeasure of seeing Caillou? I I know of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I'm intimately familiar with PJ Masks and Paw Patrol, but no, no okay. Caillou. 
Uh, Caillou is basically, uh, it's the story of a thoroughly below average French Canadian child just living his life and being absolutely dumbfounded by the most common things in the world. Is it animated? Yes, but poorly. And, uh, (laughs) and he's, uh, he's like this round headed, bald, Charlie Brown looking kid. And it's like, he's, he is literally the most simple things like, you know, spiders uh, leave him absolutely like breathlessly confused. Uh, And that's pretty much, that's pretty much the premise is that Caillou is the world's dumbest child. And his parents have to gently explain to him, you know, like not to, uh, not to eat his fork at dinner. Again, game respects game because, like, you 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 sell the pitch and you're done. There is no plot. Uh, today he sees grass. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sees a cool. Uh... <laughs> and trust me, it's gonna blow his mind. You're not gonna believe this. Next week, encounters a hot dog. It's a whole thing, man. It's a whole. Thing. <laughs> All right, you got one more for this, me. Cut. That one's a that one's a two parter. Because <laughs> we got the we got the hot dog and the bun. So, you know, uh, all right, have you got one more for me? Okay, so this is one that I love, okay? okay. Uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. Okay, Yo, okay, that is the one that is like the kind of psychedelic, kind of trippy one where they sing a lot of songs. It, what, don't they have the DJ? Is that the one with the DJ? DJ, DJ Lance Rock. Yeah, that that yeah. one is basically like, the the insufferable hipsters version of Sesame Street, yeah, <laughs> uh, but it, it's fantastic. Like it's really really great. Um, and you've got DJ Lance Rock, yeah, who looks cooler dressed as an orange toilet brush than you and I will ever look <laughs> in anything we wear our entire life. Right? Do you think? Do you think if if like Pharrell showed up, it, it like let's say there's an alternate universe where DJ Lance Rock and Yo Gabba Gabba didn't exist, and Pharrell showed up on the red carpet wearing DJ Lance Rock, you think people would just be like, "Oh, that's like a cool thing now." Like people yes. would just assume that that's 100%. that is that is high streetwear fashion, hundred percent because he because he would sell it like he did with that Arby's yeah. hat. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, no one thought twice. It was like, I'm ready for that. And the next Supreme drop is, is exactly. you know. <laughs> so, and, and that's DJ Lance Rock, right? Yeah. Uh, and he has his magical friends uh, who are basically like these toys that come to life when he says the magic words, yo, Gabba Gabba. Yeah. And uh, before that, they're kept in his uh, magical boom box, right? Uh, motionless and... Uh, you know, rendered, rendered toys. Yeah. Uh, I assume that they're fully and horribly aware while they're in toy form. Right. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is our version of hell <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a weird purgatory you know it's like it's like it, there could be a whole show about the inanimated time it, stuck in the boombox it would be like a weird episode of black mirror you know what yes. I mean? like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like yeah. a, it's it's like a really dark harlan ellison short story um <laughs> but uh yeah uh and the cool thing is that like you know someone will always show up to do the, the dance of the day and it'll be someone like Sarah Silverman, you know, or the, or the, the geeks from freaks and geeks, Yeah, you know? So it's always someone like really cool that the kids have no cultural context for, but the parents are like, Oh, that's awesome. And then they'll have the, um, 
the song of the day, you know, uh, and it'll be like Weezer or like oh, Mates cool. of State or something. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the only thing with Yo Gabba Gabba is like your kids will love it, but never as much as you do because it's yeah. not for them. It's for you. Look around because art is everywhere. It's MGMT. Hey, that, that's the kind of kid shows we need, you know, like something that makes it uh, uh, somewhat tolerable for us poor parents that are subjected to it for approximately 70 hours each of our waking weeks. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> give us something, Nickelodeon TV uh, uh, makers. Like when we were a kid, we had like double dare and guts and stuff, or at least had an element of thrill, you know, give us, give us at least some cameos by like, and throw in an occasional like Seth Rogen popping up and I'll be just, ha- I'll be happy with yeah. that. You know, uh, speaking of double dare, have you watched Flora's Lava on Netflix? Love it. Love it. That okay. is legitimately a family show that we'll all watch and just it, devour. It is. Yeah, it is. I have to say, I love it. It's maybe the best game show I've ever seen. If I had a time machine and could change one thing in history, I would wave as I watched Kennedy's head explode and say, sorry, I have to stop my daughter from ever seeing Flora's Lava. Does all she right. do is jump from from that is it the floor the floor in our house is lava 24 hours a day <laughs> my, my, I, can't see, even, my, I can't even get her to walk to the bathroom without the floor being lava see my mine will look at each other and it's like telepathically and then all of a sudden they just at the same time go floor is lava and they just run and are in there it's 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 suddenly like the flying Walindas in my house you know just at the <laughs> just at the mention of floors lava like they are you, you know basically on the mantle trying to to jump to the you know the the the, the love seat i i i empathize uh i i do have to say really hold on to you know the the feeling of gratitude that there are times in your house like brief moments where the floor isn't lava because (laughs) my my floor has now become irrevocably lava all the time you you basically live at the center of the earth i do and at least once a day the molten core yeah i sit there and think why did i ever ever let her watch that show hey again Game recognized game. I gotta respect the get people who came up with that because the the pitch is the title. Floors lava. It's like I'm in. Yeah. He, I, my, I miss. I'm Johnny Netflix. Here's thirty million dollars. <laughs> Give me forty episodes. <laughs> it really is. It's it's easily the best game show ever created. 
<laughs> well, Adam, dude, uh, uh, these are really good. I would say really good picks. They're really funny picks. I don't know why I would say a lot of these shows are good, but dude, let's do that. We got to do. We got to. This has to be a semi-regular thing because there's a lot of pop culture for us to 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 dive into and extract the terribleness uh, out of. And so uh, uh, we'll we'll have to do it again soon. I'm at your disposal. And uh, as you mentioned at the top of the show, if uh, if you want, follow me on Twitter, Adam underscore Smith XA, or you can just search for Charles A. Robocop the fourth. <laughs> Charles A. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if they search it, I wonder who else comes up in that. But, uh, <laughs> Adam I, Anderson- uh, I made it my New Year's resolution to change my name to Charles A. Robocop the fourth. And I, you know. I follow through on my promises. One step closer. Well, Adam, dude, this was a blast, man. Always, always a pleasure, my friends. All right, buddy. We'll do it again soon. All right. Sounds good. All right, everyone. That is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.